podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ain't no place like a cowboy place, ain't no town like a cowboy town. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's, ain't no way you're going wrong. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed. Penfed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of Penfed, insured by NCUA. Steve Galero is false rose good young claw. No we don't want Trev, no we don't want Nick Cormay and Babelfish my court. Uh fun second uh uh Anish 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 Uh c- c- uh how's that? How's that? Can we Yeah Clark Everyone understand us? Yeah, okay, nice one. Uh Brendan's Liverpool are really in this thing. United were absolutely bobbins and after Pally's Day we're the only ones not hung over because we're the day trippers. On tonight's show, we revel in the carnage of the Paddy's Weekend Massacre of United in Old Toilet. We are joined from Malaysia by Jagdesh Singh at some ridiculous hour, so let's hope he stays awake long enough for us to go through the weekend's events and take a look at what's to come. You all gave out about Lee Mahadi swearing us the last time he was on, so we brought him back to swear some more. And we're missing the culture factor that Moley often brings us this week, so we've balanced out the Jackine influence post-St. Patrick's Day by bringing in Green Scouser, a.k.a. Niall Sheridan, to share his thoughts on all things red. Right then, a little bit of an announcement for you tonight, um, one that's uh, actually more than a little one, quite monumental. Unfortunately, from the 1st of April, the day trippers will no longer exist. And what's this now, I hear you ask. But have no fear, because we will be relaunching as LFC Day Trippers. LFC Day Trippers will be a relaunch and a rebrand of our pod. Um, Molly's Beyond the Cop site and Carl Turley's Liverpool Ways will be joining us. Now, we know this is an unusual step for Liverpool sites to merge as opposed to setting up a series of individual websites. But it means that all you lovely people will get a brand spanking new website with lots of articles. Plenty of rumours, interviews, and an awful lot more. Uh, we mean um, to aim at the day-tripping fan particularly, but it's something that will have, I think, an appeal for everybody. Now, Phil and Molly have been working away at all hours um, to get the site up and running. Uh, over the, the, the next couple of weeks, we want everyone to follow at Beyond the Cop uh, on Twitter. 
and uh, this will become our main Twitter handle uh, and change to LFC Day Trippers. The site will be live at noon GMT on April the 1st with our first pod as the LFC Day Trippers. So, Molly, I think you could maybe give us a bit more background on this. Yeah, well, I, I set up uh, Beyond the Cop about 12 months ago now. And at the time, I was kind of targeting the fans who couldn't always get to the game. Hence the name, Beyond the Cop, basically, you know. So I had no podcast with it. It was just a place to put down a few rumours and have guys to write some articles and put their opinion pieces on it. And anything, anything and everything, basically, went into it. But really, it was only a pet project of mine. It wasn't any kind of professional look. I didn't really go out for that. But then I started talking to your, yourselves and I realised, I said, these guys are, they're in the same kind of market as me. They're looking at the day trippers, guys who can't get to every game, who try to get over whatever game they can. Your podcast, I listened to it before I came on the show. I thought it was some fantastic stuff on it. And I thought, you know, this this would be ideal. This would be a deep partnership. So myself and Phil started chatting and we thought, what better to have one site and one pod together? So that's what we're looking to do. And plus, we have a couple of other social media accounts, like maybe Phil might speak about the Liverpool Ways and stuff, who's also coming on board. So we'll have a, a very large social media backing, we'll have the podcast, and we'll have the site. We're bringing something different, um, and there's so many good Liverpool sites out there that I'm, I'm very confident that we're bringing brings a slightly different flavour to what's there at the moment. It adds to the richness and the vibrancy of, of the, the Liverpool blog and website communities that are there. And I think that going forward, you know, we'll fit in nicely, and it will be act as a, an information point and a social point for all the, the Liverpool fans who aren't necessarily living in around Merseyside, you know, to, 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 to come to and share their share what's going on and the whole lot that's there as well we have some unique features in there the more will be revealed as the site goes live but like obviously look i don't want to give away everything because we want to, we we need to build the site as, as we come up to it over the next couple of weeks but i'm, I'm really excited about what we have are you going to give us any little uh, teasers at all about what might be kind of specific to the site that mightn't be necessarily everywhere else no and it is important to say as well that it's it's not just the Irish side of it. It's no, no, no. This, general, this, this is this is like again. We're, okay, look, we're, we're, there'll be there'll be travel tips and stuff on it, and it won't be just concentrated from Ireland. It'll be for everyone that that wants to get to the game, the best ways to get to games, etc. That's that's something that's in there. We have a few unique things in the actual site as well, and it's 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 fully interactive for people who come onto the actual site. It's not it's not just here's articles, here's stuff, here's what it is. There's stuff that people can get involved with on the actual site more than just polls and things like that. There, yeah. As uh, Phil just said there, it's going to be very much fan-friendly, very much interactive. You know, we are obviously going to have the podcast, we're going to have articles, opinion pieces, scout reports, all that type of stuff. But there's going to be some extra features that a lot of other sites don't have, and I think people will like that. Absolutely. Well, April the 1st then, folks, keep an eye out for that. Um, or it's the most elaborate April Fool's hoax ever <laughs> <laughs> which is probably far more likely far more likely okay okay so we'll go straight into our review of Manchester United versus Liverpool and happy days indeed as a markedly small time United under the ever small time David Moyes were put in their place now what a result it was supremely easy mature a confident win we were billed as favourites, we went to the home of our greatest rivals and we lived up to that billing. Now, it sets up the last nine matches really nicely. This is definitely on, this dream of, of the title. But first, let's re- revel in the magnificence of that win that was. Was it better, lads, than the 08-09 win? Um, Jag, I'll come to you first. What do you think? Um, you know what? I think it was... 
I'm still I'm still running on uh, adrenaline right now, so I'm definitely going to say it's better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, like I said, I was trying to stay awake. Um, but from an overall perspective, I thought I thought everybody played a, a much more decisive way of um, getting the ball to the other side of the team. Um, I, I thought. Um, I thought the the tactics that Rogers put out was a little bit more different from the rest of the other games we've seen so far, and and we've talked about a diamond before, and and to be honest with you, I I, I just couldn't figure out what Sterling was trying to do, and you, you're definitely going to talk about that later on. But sure, yeah, I think I think I, I think everybody put in a good shift. Yeah, so uh, for you, Wood Ray is better than 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 the four one in in oh eight oh nine. For me, I still, you know, I have a lot of affection for what Rafa did, and I, I think the forum was a lot more, well, at that time, a lot more emotional. But this was more, I was calmer, yeah, it was. and so I thought, and so I think it was from a, from an emotional perspective, this one was more decisive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And Niall, what, what what's your take on it? Better than than, than the previous one? Yeah, I'm not defending. I think um, Sunday's game was perhaps the better win than the one in 09. I think that's due to the fact, really, like, in 09, okay, we won 4-1, but the game was uh, very close. It could have gone either way, really, until Vidic sending off and Aurelio's goal. That's really the only moment in 09 that I was confident. But uh, it was just total domination from us on Sunday, not only with the ball, but also without the ball. I thought our pressing was fantastic. And um, I just couldn't see United. Once we scored first, I just couldn't see United getting back in the game. So uh, for me, yeah, I'd uh, rate Thunder's win as perhaps more important and perhaps even more impressive than the 4-1 win in 9 Yeah, uh, Paul Brown, what, 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 what's your feel about it? Did you, did you enjoy that more than the, the previous one? Yeah, I'd say so. The 8 9 one was more unexpected, really. But um, I think, because that was where we kind of went over here. Last chance saloon. Then they were, they were obviously the best team in the country at that time. Whereas this time, the whole kind of world was watching us saying, like, you're better than them now, what are you going to do? Mm. And we just went out and proved it. Like, like and I said, just complete domination. Like, they didn't have a chance, really. Mm-hmm. And, like, a, like a, it could have been more, even. So, yeah, I'd say it was, because of the expectation that was on us. Yeah, that's a very good point, isn't it, Lee Mahadi, that we, we went there as favourites and lived up to the building, as, as I was saying earlier on, which is a bigger ask, really. Yeah, in essence, I think that's actually what kind of took the gloss off it for me, though. I thought that... Um, because the honest was actually honest to win it, because we went in as favourites this time, clear favourites, you know, we were well expected to be this pretty terrible United side. I thought that in I thought that in 08 to 09, I thought the fact that it was so unexpected at the time, and the fact that it was probably one of the top three teams that Ferguson ever managed at the time, you know, that had just come off like a unbelievable like league and Champions League double. Mm. You know the season before, and they were in, the, and at that time as well, they were in the midst of like what was probably the longest defensive streak in the history of the Premier League, was it? At some point, mm, I think so. I think Van der Sar was in goal. Yeah, yeah. Vidic and Ferdinand they'd held like a ridiculous record, like a total domination at the back line. Like, but <clears throat> I thought that you know it, it's all down to circumstance. I think uh, the circumstances that you're in at the time kind of it can kind of influence whether you believe that the win is actually better than one or the other. I think that. You know, I think because of, I don't know, it's hard to put it one way because, uh, I don't know, I actually literally can't put it, I can't really put it into words correctly. It's that, uh, 
Nah, go on, nah, go on. I'll let it pass over for me. <laughs> fucking lose <losing> me. <laughs> totally stumped. Uh, fucking yeah. Hey, can I say something though? Please say, Jack. Yeah. I, I thought if it was Fergie, for, it was Fergie at the dugout. It was a bit. It would have been a much more beautiful win. Mm-hmm. I thought. Really, I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't get the the enjoyment from from torturing Moisey. I, I think I think everybody gives um, United a handicap with Moyes. Everybody has a pitiful, yeah, yeah. pitiful perception of United right now. So you know, you, you tend to say, "Oh, I'm sorry about this, but this is Moyes, right?" But it hadn't been Fergie, right? The bastard over there. We, <laughs> I would have really enjoyed it. That, yeah. uh, that that is the most joyous thing about that win. Is the face on fucking Ferguson in the sand? I don't give a fuck. Uh, when it went up, he was just like a thundering gobshite sitting there going, "I'm responsible for this." <laughs> I, got, I was the one who got Moyes the job. Woohoo! And, and the camera was on him just long enough for someone to make a perfect vine of it as well. <laughs> it's just the most curmudgeonly of all the trippers wants to sing the praises of one red in particular. Now this is strange. We have justifiably slaughtered Glenn Johnson for the majority of this season. And I know, personally, I was irritated as fuck watching him um, the other day. But according to my very, very upbeat, po- uh, positive, optimistic colleague here, he was the consummate fullback, his words. So, young Casey, you all right there, fella? Yeah, I'll I tell you, my thoughts on Johnson are, and I, I said it last week, I was annoyed with, with his constant selection for about three weeks up until this, right? And uh, when he came back and, and the performance he was putting in. But the one thing I said was that maybe he was playing himself into some form. And I thought on Sunday, he he actually... They only had 18 crosses in the whole game. They switched um, Janazoy over to try target Flanagan at one stage, and they moved Matt out. And despite us all saying Matt is not a winger, Matt is not a winger, Matt is a top-class footballer, right? And Johnson handled him very easily. He, he put him to bed, and I thought Johnson actually gave us something down the right wing. Um, and, you know, they weren't getting streams of crosses in. He, he did his job admirably. He defended his, his flank very well, and he provided a, a, an outlet in, in attack nearly all the time. Every time he went, the ball would go wide to whoever was on the right-hand side, whether it was Henderson or one of the, the forwards who peeled off or Sterling into that space. Johnson was always an outlet in an attacking sense. And when I say I want to sing his praises, I thought that was the best performance from Glenn Johnson in a long time. That I can, like, we're probably going back to the Fulham game before he got injured in October. And, you know... It's very hard to actually criticise the fella for the for the the, the run he put in on, on on Sunday because I think he did very very well, mm. and especially like he's been searching for form and he found he found form on Sunday. I've no issues with him at all. I thought he did well. And I just wanted to say because we we have we have rollicked him um, for being shit for quite a long while. Yeah, I think you're just doing some sort of damage limitation there and trying to trying to <laughs> even things out. I'm not sure. I don't see that myself. I didn't particularly particularly see that myself. Um, Jag, would you agree that Johnson was uh, much improved on previous weeks? Yeah, I'm with Phil. I think um, I think our expectations of Johnson have been so horrible the past few times that uh, <laughs> if he puts in a good shift, uh, it's 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 suddenly uh, suddenly back to his good old self again. But but yeah, feels right. Off the ball, he was good. Um, he was giving him the support that um, that Henderson re- required and uh, Sterling as well. The one thing that I remember about this match, uh, this match about Johnson, was that he comes on the flank, cuts into the left. He doesn't square though. He tries to take a shot, but his his reaction is so slow that everybody knows he was trying to take a shot. Um, and so that happened a couple of times. And I think that pretty much sums up what I think about Johnson is that he's no more the unpredictable. Uh, um, attacking fullback that we thought he was. 
I think I think he's losing his edge right now. Yeah, he, he, there was definitely something. There's something more cautious about him, isn't there? It's definitely he's definitely far more cagey in his movements and uh, looks like a lad who's kind of. I don't know, compensating for the fact that uh, compensating for something. If, if if someone had told me he was carrying an injury, I'd have said that's okay because even he looks restricted in his movements. To me, anyway, Lee, wh- where are you standing on this whole uh, thing? Uh, to be fair, give him his due. Like he was very, very good in comparison to what he's been the previous couple of weeks. Yeah. Like we, as you said, we rollicked him when he was bad, and you know what? it wasn't for, it wasn't even so much for me that he was bad. It was the fact that he just didn't look fucking arsed. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest problem, you know. Like we've actually we've had some perennially shit players down the years, but like we've actually we've ended up loving them. We have once they fucking give their all, like, and that was what was driving me mad. You know, Johnson, an extremely high earner at the club, just not looking like he was bothered. And then even though even though we have fucking Sissoko, who's at least fucking Traore, Mark too, like, at least. You know, for all of his shortcomings, he was going out there and he was actually putting a fucking shift in. Yep. And, you know, and that was what was driving me mad about Johnson so much. The fact that he was letting so many markers get in behind him. The fact that he wasn't even jumping on corners to beat the man to the header. Like, it was really fucking grinding on me. Mm. But you see a marked improvement there the other day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Probably. Yeah, it feels like the whole mentality that's been instilled in the entire squad has actually finally warmed its way over to him. Mm. Okay. Um Niall, I'm going to come to you next on uh, our centre-back partnership, Skirt and Agar. Now, they've looked dodgy for long spells at, uh, at various times. They did seem to excel the other day. Agar seemed to have pretty much the measure of the United attack. Uh, I know Skirt made a few impressive blocks and headers away. By the same token, Van Persie did at times find acres of space. Uh, I, I think it was more to do with his uselessness on the day uh, than, than, than any particularly brilliant defending that, that stopped him from scoring. Um, where would you feel that that that, that their level of performance was now? Uh, I was very pleased with the performance of Skirtle and Agar there during the weekend. I think um, they've definitely benefited from playing alongside a regular back four. I think that's something we were all kind of um, saying earlier in the season that it's been affecting their defensive performance. And I think now the last two games against um, Southampton and United, I think the defence as a whole has looked very solid. And then... Um, Obviously, then this makes uh, Skirtle and Agner um, appear more solid as well. I thought um, I actually thought Skirtle was very good. I'm not Skirtle's the biggest fan, but I thought he was brilliant. As he was in the first game against United earlier in the year, I thought he was a magnificent Sunday. That was a wonderful block for, um, on Rooney's volley because uh, Rooney caught it very well. So I think um, Skirtle really impressed me. Agner, I think, is um, he's looked sharper. I think Agner since he came back from the injury. I don't know, maybe it's. Um, since um, Saka was also playing well prior to his injury, so maybe now Agar realizes, you know, that he actually needs competition for that uh, left centre back role. So I think Agar has um, definitely improved his performances over the last few weeks as well. So you know, overall, I thought we looked much more solid as a, uh, they looked much more solid as a defensive partnership on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, um, Paul Brown, were you happy with with our, our consistency in the back four? Yeah, I thought I thought I'm. Um I thought all the defence did did well. Like I thought Johnson did. Like like the lads had said, like he was uh, good defensively and he was okay going forward as well. Um, I think like Jag said, he's not he's not the kind of rampage and fullback he used to be. But it was good to see him like play very well defensively. I thought and Skirtle and Agar again, they were brilliant. I think there was only really there was only one time Van Persie looked like he was going to score where he peeled off Skirtle and got the header. Like he he kind of miscued it horribly, but um, like he did get the ball in the box a few times. But it was kind of out to the side, and only was closed down fairly quick. I thought overall, um, 
the defence did really well, mm. especially the centre backs. And like uh, Agar, Agar does seem to have been better in the past couple of weeks, mm. and maybe he's got a bit of a kick up the hole because there's been a lot of talk about him being binned in the summer mm. and stuff. So maybe maybe he is kind of fighting for his future, really. I, I think we're looking at Agar and just on 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 the whole thing, like again, it's maybe you know players t- can take a while to come back to what they were before an injury, um, a few games, a bit like Joe Allen. You know, people were quick to jump on his back when he wasn't up to the same level as soon as he came back. And you know, Agar has gone in and he 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 had the read of Van Persie. He he looked after him. It was, it was very easily done. I, I, like again, I don't want to dwell on you know because I, I can't be arsed with them to be honest with you. But like uh, Van Persie has been piss poor for them all season. Um, I know most United fans wouldn't wouldn't have shed, like batted an eyelid had Van Persie been left out of this game. And um, you know, I thought when Welbeck did come on eventually for the last fifteen minutes, he gave more to that United team than Van Persie had. Um, and we know that Skirtle had has had issues with um, your man Welbeck in the past. So for to play Van Persie again, small time wise, you know he goes with a name rather than ability, and yeah. you know it's it's it, it plays right into our hands, and and, and our, our two centre halves were well capable for a centre forward who in no way, shape, or form likes to be physical in in a traditional fashion. Van Persie's a sly little runt when it comes to you know digs, elbows, winding players up, and the whole lot. And I, and I admire that in a centre forward, but he's not going to put himself around physically. And th- he didn't even look bothered on Sunday, right? And they had more to deal with in terms of what Rooney was bringing to the table because I actually thought Rooney played really well. And um, for you know, of all the United players, I thought he was the one that was up for the actual game and, and, and wanted to do something. But you know, Agar and Skirtle were were well able to deal with him, and, and it, it was it, it was great to see you know being so solid at United and Skirtle to his credit put in a monster block just before half time when we were one 0 up, and that between the save from Mignolet and that block from Skirtle, we go in with a clean sheet and a one 0 one lead. They equalised there. You never know what happens in the second half. It comes back to the whole lottery idea of the game. Mm. Yeah, I thought I thought their front foot defending was brilliant. A lot of the time when United like United didn't have like that much meaningful possession, but any time they got it into their front players, like there was a lot of kind of tackles going in straight on the strikers' touch. You know, like wrapping their foot around and getting it away. And that's like Phil said, uh, which got a Van Persie didn't seem too interested in that, and he just kind of he just faded out of the game straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one did, did put- Sorry, Jack, go ahead. No, I just want to say they didn't put a lot of crosses in as well. I was worried about that uh, before the game. I was, I was hoping that Saka was in because I, I was, I was thinking Moyes is supposed to, you know, the kind of manager who puts a lot of crosses in. Mm. But I think after he got he got slated by the media about eighty-one or ninety crosses in one of the games early on, I think I think he he changed his tactics. But but there weren't many crosses and there weren't many set pieces as well you've got to give the kudos to uh, Flanagan and Johnson for that as well I think yeah. well absolutely and that brings us nicely to John Flanagan he's a bit bloody good this kid isn't he I loved his little bit of needle at the end giving the, the fist up to the United fans on the way out of the, apparently Suarez was shopping in the, in Manchester City Centre as well which is which is good crack but uh, John Flanagan uh, Jag how did you how did you feel he did he certainly certainly has the heart for the battle he, he reminded me a lot about Shelby. <laughs> the last time that Shelby gave the two fingers to Fergie, yeah, he was running on pure adrenaline. And I think he was really running on pure adrenaline. He couldn't give a fuck who Young Guy was or who went for. He was. He just went for it. And, yeah, yeah. And and he was playing on a, on a he was playing on, on on a very thin fine line of of hurting somebody and not right. He yeah. he was he was putting in the right shift. Um, I, I think he was being managed by Agu as well. I think Agu was was. In his ear, giving him the right advice at the right time. Um, some of the good plays over there. 
Yeah, uh, Niall, he was probably, like, if you're going to be picky about possibly fortunate to stay on the pitch, despite his wonderful performance, uh, how did you how did you feel that, that, that John Vonnegan did on the day? I thought he was brilliant. As Jag was saying, um, I think it was noticeable as well how high up our border fullbacks were when United had the ball. Uh, I lost count of the amount of occasions where uh, Raphael just played a simple five-yard ball into Mata. The Mata couldn't turn. He had no time in the ball whatsoever. Flanagan was right up his arse, you know. Yeah. I think um, also Jag was saying Agar was talking Flanagan through the game. I also noticed um, once Flanagan was booked in the first half, uh, Rodgers had a little word with him. He was kind of, I think he was just telling him to relax a little bit because he was running on adrenaline. But um, I thought Flanagan was brilliant. Um, I actually think I prefer Flanagan on the left-hand side. I don't know what it is. I just think he looks um, uh, more solid playing, playing left-back. But um, I, thought, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Uh, both our full-backs were brilliant in fairness, but I think it's probably up there with one of our best defensive performances of the season. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I remember uh, Jamie Carragher doing a job there for a season, and he was outstanding at left-back, probably better than he had been at right-back. Uh, Lee, is it fair to say that um, you know he's a guy who's, who's who's gotten an awful lot of sort of faint praise? Yeah, he's not bad considering, or he's very limited. Is this a guy who can go on to be a fixture in Liverpool's first team for the next few seasons if the success continues as we hope it will? You do think so, and you always you hope that it will be so as well. But is it something that you really want to pin your hopes on, especially with the Champions League looming? Now we've more or less sealed the place in it. So do you really think now, long term, over both the Premier League season and potentially a Champions League campaign, do you believe that he would be the, the right answer long term? Mm. I think that's a question everybody has to kind of ask themselves. Yeah, and wh- where would you go on that? Uh, I'll be honest, because because of his versatility and his uh, honestly, you don't want to keep referencing it or anything like that but he is still in many ways limited and an awful lot of his game is built around more sort of heart and technical ability an awful lot of the uh, like nearly the way Carragher was mm. like he wasn't the best on the ball he, it wasn't about technique with Carragher it was about having the fucking heart of a line and the ability to read the game the same way and I believe Flanagan has that f- that lovely bit of scouse heart about him and the fact that he did play the game more on passion than you know than logic I think for a good fucking portion of that game, he towed the line with Clattenburg a good few times. Like I literally thought at one stage when he crashed into Raphael, I thought he was getting the shower. Yeah, like. yeah I think. You but I, I, I think he should be given credit for it. Like I know, no, I mentioned about Rogers talking to him. It takes a lot for a player to be able to take that in on the on the pitch as well, because there's so much going on in the game that, like you know, and, and people who will play will notice that people talk an awful lot to you when you're on the pitch. For it to actually sink in and affect how you play the game. Because when Rogers pulls them, they've switched Mata and Yanazoi, and they're trying to get Yanazoi to expose Flanagan's pace so he dives in and, and gives away a clear yellow card free kick. And to Flanagan's credit, he doesn't dive in for the rest of the game. He goes in 50 50 and hard tackles, but he doesn't, he doesn't go into a silly challenge, one that would bring a yellow card to him. And it, it, you, know, it, you have to have a good level of game intelligence to be able to take on the instruction and affect it almost immediately when you're given to it to r- retain your position and retain your place uh, in the 11 when, when you know, the chances are and the likelihood is that as a fullback, you're going to be in a yellow card place at some stage during the rest of the game. Yeah. That's spot on. You agree, Jack? That's spot on. And I think he when he went, he was good going forward as well. I think yeah. he was clumsy, but he did dribble past a couple, couple of players. I thought it was just that was really impressive. Yeah, I, I think I think there's an awful lot of um, absolute bobbins, as a United fan would say, talked about about uh, about um, Flanagan's ability. I, I think the guy clearly has talent. Brendan himself has talked this week only in the in the aftermath of the match about his. Uh, 
tactical proficiency and the fact that he's putting in a serious amount of work on his technical ability as well. Paul, um, I'll ask you the same question I asked Lee. Would you be happy to see John Flanagan in situ as a Champions League right back for Liverpool or left back? I'm not sure about the first team. I definitely think you can get someone better than Flanagan. But I think he's a great squad player to have because like, I don't think nerves really affect him. Mm. Like, you can see that from his performance. Like, you know, the derby that he came into at Goodison, he, he was one of our best defenders in that. Like, he's he's kind of nailed down his place since then and been our best fullback. And the, the same way tra- like at Old Trafford, like he obviously he w- it was there was a few dicey moments where you were hoping he wasn't gonna <laughs> fucking lunge in or something. But uh, what you call it, like it's it's not that wasn't because of nerves. That's just because of how he plays. Like yeah. so, like I if if he was as I'd be really happy with him as a backup because I think so, like you know if he, if he hasn't played in a couple of months. If like who would you want if, as coming into your team? Would you want him or Enrique? I'd go with Flanagan every time because I think I think I think Enrique is a bit of a space cake. I and he needs to be in the, <laughs> he, need, he needs to be in the team all the time. Where space like, and, cake, yeah. And yeah. I, I think his head goes a bit. Yeah. Whereas Flanagan, he's just, like he's just he, like obviously the the comparison is obvious. He's a bit like a young Carragher yeah. where he's not really phased by anything. Like and he's it, like obviously he's not like. Danny Alves, well, Flanny Alves or anything like that, yeah. but like, like Jack said, he, he kind of like, when he saw Matter running at him, he's like, oh, well, I'll just take it past him. Yeah. And then he kind of went on a, a cross field dribble, more than a yeah. forward dribble, yeah. but like, he, I, I think he does have a lot of composure. Like, yeah. I think though, we, we, we probably forget a bit because it's been a while since we were in the Champions League, um, apart from the Europa League and how to have a squad. When you're there, it's not so much that here's a player that can come in and do a job for you. Here's a player that will have to do a job for you. It's it's not will come in and can come in. It's will do a job because you're not going to play the same eleven um, or a preferred eleven week in week out over the course of a 38 game season. You're going to be able, you're going to have to play players on a Wednesday night and again change it around on Saturday and have a certain level that when they come in on a Saturday are going to treat every game the same way as we're treating these last ten games, which are essentially cup finals because it, they're they're even bigger games. If, with us back in the Champions League, it's imperative that we make the Champions League the following year. It's not just a case of let's get in and celebrate that we're there we have to make sure we're in there fucking again. Spurs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but it's serious and you need that level of quality right the way through yeah. the squad and he brings that level of quality and, and the, the, the other thing is he, he has other full backs breeding up his hole who, from, from the 21s mm. the likes of Brad Smith he's a, is, is an absolutely incredible talent coming through if, if he progresses the same way Flanagan has with the same application mm. Flanagan is going to have, have, have his, feel his, his, his shorts being tugged as well by this kid so you know the we're seeing a bit of competition come through like what you said around Enrique and Sissoko if we could get in a top class left back I wouldn't have an issue with seeing those two go out if Flanagan and a, a top class full back are our options going into next season mm. okay. I, I've, I've never seen Carragher as a, a Champions League final player mm. but he was right and, yeah. and I, see, I, need Flan- I see Flanagan there as well I see the, the same passion I see the same uh, technical ability that's not so good but it's, it's getting there but it's not so good, and uh, and that's pretty much similar to what Kara had as well. Kara was never the fastest; he was never the, the the most technical player out there. He wasn't very flamboyant, but he did the job, and he was in a he was in Istanbul, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I see Flano as that as well. I see Flanagan uh, very much a younger version of Carragher, the same passion, the same um, the same mentality. Yeah, well, I'm 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 right behind uh, John Luca Flanbrotta myself, so I'm gonna <laughs> move it on Jesus. now to uh, I'm gonna move Jesus. move it on now to uh, Raheem Sterling, uh, and we'll move it up the pitch a bit. Now, in fairness to the kid, he looked imperious at, at, at various times, and then drifted out of it at others. He was playing the point of that midfield diamond. Um, so was 
his absences from the match at times him being a fish out of water um, should he be commended for the fact that he is tactically flexible as a player well, we, we saw him knocking Fellaini off the ball um, although on the day that possibly wasn't that tough and winning a lot more against other physically dominant midfielders and upshot is we've got wonderful options now to rotate him and Coutinho Niall how do you feel that um, Sterling did in that diamond? Yeah, I was pleased with Sterling. I think um, something that's talked about a lot with Sterling is his game intelligence. And I think that was shown um, on Sunday, particularly off the ball. If you watch Sterling, um, I know Fellaini, uh, he's not highly rated by many people uh, apart from wise, but Fellaini never had time to turn on the ball. He's probably not capable of turning on the ball, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Sterling, yeah. Or Sterling was always on him, Harris Haslin, I'm same with Carrick. Lots of United's play. Well, traditionally, most of United's play goes through Michael Carrick. He was anonymous for most of that game. Yeah. I think a lot of that was to do with Sterling as well. And then also, on the ball, maybe he didn't have as much joy as he had in previous games, but I think uh, he keeps play ticking over. That's another thing he's got a lot better at this season is his ball retention. Maybe towards the beginning of last season, he just wanted to get the ball and take people on, but that's something Rodgers has, installed, or, or has instilled in him. I think uh, he played a key role in uh, the first penalty or Suar- or Raphael's handball. He played a nice little ball out to the Sturridge on the wing who found Suarez. So um, I like, I actually think um, Sterling is suited to that role. I like the idea of having then Coutinho to bring off the bench for the last 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with uh, Sterling again on Sunday. Yeah, um, Lee, do you feel that Sterling's a guy who's gonna, who should be starting uh, all the time, irrespective of whether it's the point of a diamond or on the right of a three? At the moment, given the current squad, yeah, I believe he's an absolutely nailed on starter because he has he has the pace to absolutely burn a fullback on either wing. It doesn't matter. And then, as we've seen there just the past Sunday, like he actually does have the tax, tactical flexibility to play at the play at the head of a diamond and hassle defensive midfielders off the ball. I believe that's what Rogers wanted him for. The fact that he does have a bit more of a propensity to actually chase back and you know harry for the ball an awful lot more than well. Not even an awful lot more, but a little bit more than Coutinho would even. You know, Coutinho still is more of an archetypal number ten who hasn't, you know, who would rather flow in his space between the defence and the midfield, or the up the opposing defence in the midfield. But uh, Sterling seemed to Sterling at times was actually very deep. Hmm. As Flaney and Carr tried to advance forward, like you know, tried to advance the whole formation forward, Sterling was right back in there. He had no problem running back into around the centre circle and trying to hurry the ball back. Hmm. But now. That said, I still thought that his influence waned for you know intermittent periods of the game, and I think that his best place is still out wide, obviously. But as I said, with you know, it's great having the tax, great having the tactical flexibility. Something that Sterling and you know, like we said before, that Flanagan offers as well. Like the fact that a player that can play in multiple positions is worth its weight in gold. Like. For sure. Uh, it seems to be very much a, a Brendan Rodgers uh, prototype is a player who has that um, sort of adaptability about him, Paul. Um, for you, for the last nine, is it very much kind of a rotation between Joe Allen, uh, Coutinho and Sterling? Or is there some of those that you, or so any of those that you start in each game? Yeah, I, th- I think Sterling has to start, really. And I, I preferred him out wide. Like, he, he was kind of... 
he he was kind of steady rather than really spectacular yeah. creative or anything in the match but like like on like if you took it on its own kind of merits that his oh John Jaws accidental Jaws <laughs> fucking Jaws <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> the pod's gone to shit accidental Jaws did, did he play with courage and <laughs> 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 if you look if you just looked at his performance like he he, was, he like he, he did a good tactical job but he wasn't like really kind of creative creative or anything but when you consider the fact that he's 19 and he's he's only played what I think it was half an hour or something against Southampton in that position he, show, that he showed a lot of moral courage yeah. there oh, f- <laughs> <laughs> my boys no, he's going to finish no, up one no, more no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw a fucking aim and don't be pen draw as well in. come on come on come on <laughs> <laughs> I mean like that <laughs> okay um, coming back to coming back to the team again and looking at some of the characters on the day Suarez and Sturridge, neither of them particularly brilliant on the day. There was a lot of possession coughed up around the box, some missed chances. Uh, so even if the two of those are off form and we still manage to put three past United, is that saying a lot about us or is it saying more about them? Suarez, even when things weren't coming off, it was lovely to watch. Again, as per usual, wonderful effort. Uh, how did we feel um, or how are we feeling about our front two going into the last nine, Phil? <laughs> you can only feel like the happiest spar can walk the earth. Yes. Um, it's like the, the, there's no two ways about it. The two lads, like Sturridge, Sturridge is having one of those days. I remember again, similar to the Arsenal FA Cup game where he gets two chances early on that you would put your mortgage on that he's going to bang one of them away and it doesn't come off. Now, I don't. You don't even ever get the feeling that it's not going to be one of the days from. Even though he didn't score, you you, you always felt another chance might fall to him when he'd score it again. Um, and Suarez just ploughs and ploughs and ploughs. And even when De Gea pulls off that wonderful save, you just know that that just made him angrier. So when he did score the goal, it was he, he just he just erupts in merriment and runs to the Stratford end and, and, and celebrates with the United fans. They're just so happy to see him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the, the biggest smile. I, I tell you, just I, breaking his bollocks yeah, laughing at them. It was fucking deadly. It's the pointing that does it, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, such a, it's top counting. Like, yeah. It's so much good counting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just... He, he's Skirtle just, played a blind man. Oh, that's celebration as well. What is Skirtle doing? He's just turning Suarez into a large human Look, penis. Is the, the, the one thing I say, at, 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 at that stage, <laughs> Skirtle was playing as an auxiliary centre forward. I don't know if anyone noticed this. Every time oh. we see him to go forward, Skirtle was on the edge of the box. We're going, what, do you, what are you doing up there? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Go on, do it if you want, but like, make sure you're back. At the, and then all of a sudden he's back. Skirtle was a man possessed. I've never yeah. seen him put, turn in a performance. He was really just obsessed with destroying United on, on, on Sunday and, and <laughs> it has to be commended fair play to me like, it it's to just, yeah, the, way, the way he actually managed like, the way when, when that ball fell to Rooney just at the edge of the box then the way he fucked himself out like John yeah. McLean in front of a shotgun like, <laughs> oh, that, fucking mental I'll tell you what right if, if, if going back to everything that Rogers has said about Skirtland I know we're talking about Sturridge and Suarez but, it, and it, but it's worth pointing out again he's, he's bigged them up all season long has Brendan right and you can actually see a guy playing with a massive amount of confidence at the moment even if he is liable to the other he hasn't made one for a while touch wood he doesn't make one until next season uh, but like he's got to be commended for, for, for you know never letting the head go and, and getting on with his game and trusting in himself to deliver and he delivered big time and at the end of the day like, uh, it's great to have a sit here and laugh and, uh, and enjoy the fact that, that United are going through a Hodgson-esque period in their history it's, it's, it's phenomenal stuff right 
But we have to remember that they were a seventh place team, and we treated them as a seventh place team. Mm. And that's 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 and that for me is 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 a new sort of line of mental thought that Liverpool have, and they haven't had for such a long time. And Sturridge and Suarez are are integral to giving us that because we believe that we can score against anyone. And those two boys will do the job against anyone in that league. And if you have that belief in you, you believe you can win matches. And that, that turns you from just being a mid-table team to what we are now, which is champions-elect. Mm. Uh, stay with... <laughs> <Stop. laughs> Fucking hell, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, that clearly isn't well. Um <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I don't. I, look, I don't want to dwell on these knob jockeys for too long. But let's be honest; it is good fun, isn't it, to enjoy beating the shit out of United in their own patch? And we wouldn't be Liverpool fans if we didn't wallow in it a little bit. It is brilliant to see that guy taking him down from the inside, just like Hodgson did to us. Uh, we, you, you know, you must be enjoying it, Jagger. Oh, I love it! Absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> But you know what? Well, you know what about a Swatters and Sturridge point? Um, does anybody want to talk about the uh, dive, though? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Go on. Someone said this Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, in the good old days when United used to win the league, right? They used to have this sort of wanking players who always used to dive, calculatively, right? Mm. And then they used to they used to wank off about oh well you know we used to do it um, ruthlessly because we used to we used to uh, make sure that we just make uh, get a goal right mm-hmm. and so when when one finding when one of us does it everybody goes bonkers everybody goes mad about how unfair Liverpool Liverpool play is yeah I mean have you seen the, the on Twitter about uh, Liverpool poop. There's a world of fun there, Jack. Mark Clatton pool. <laughs> I mean, chicken pool, bitch club. It's still one. That's the fucking worst one. Yeah. And and I I mean that's that was the icing on the cake was penalty pool. <laughs> getting a penalty out of a dive in Old Trafford, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was that was that's beautiful, needle. Yeah. I fucking pissed myself laughing when I saw that. I was like, you know, I was still got up out of the chair. Yes, fucking penalty. I saw the dive, and you know, my voice is still gone from the laughter. Like, like you know the way people kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of skirt, we'll, we'll skirt over that. Like you know, one of our players that fuck it. Every team has players who dive. Okay, yeah, yeah. enjoy it. That yeah. was hilarious, and yeah. the fact that they should have had a peno as well. And the, I think that's brilliant. The best thing about that dive is it wasn't Suarez. If that was Suarez, <laughs> the only thing in the papers for the for all it wouldn't have been three 0 or anything. It would have been there. Wouldn't Suarez. have been Lauren Scott on the front of the fucking paper anyway. <laughs> but it would have been all it would have been would have been Suarez dived and won and Liverpool won the game because. Suarez dived mm. but because of storage it gets glossed over it's more it's, it's the reflection is back on Moyes and his inability and that's exactly what you want actually my favourite part of it the whole thing was Danny Sturridge utterly failing to respond to your man losing the fucking plot <laughs> You're shameful. You should be ashamed. You should. Danny's not even looking at him. <laughs> Fuck you. Doesn't give a bollocks. Doesn't give a shit. I've got a penalty. Up your fucking. Ch- you know, it's wonderful. Off you go. It's wonderful. So, uh, Niall, to be fair, we could have had at least, and it wouldn't be a stretch, that Fellaini one at the start on Suarez, and definitely uh, there was another foul. Carrick. The Carrick's foul on, on, on Sturridge. Could be another two penalties. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we've hardly. We've hardly. Uh, had the rub of the green there. What do you think, Nat? 
Yeah, that's true. I just want to go back to the Sturge dive there that we were saying his reaction. I was hoping he'd just get up and start dancing in front of it. I'll go with that a bit. But yeah. Also, um, I think it's worth noting the interpretation of the diving as well. It was a dive. We could all see it was a dive. But I just think it's interesting the way um, uh, Rooney went, uh, basically jumped into skirt looking for a penalty yeah. uh, later on in the game. It was a clear dive as well. I think... Um, it comes down to where really where the referee buys it because they, obviously the two of them were dives. I just think it's interesting. Like, um, uh, if you can get away with it, why not? That's how I look at it. Yeah, well, that, I'm not going to turn down a penalty at Old Trafford. I don't care if it's a dive or not. Well, that's but exactly. Then, yeah, it, yeah, I think um, the tackle on Carrick that was a stonewall penalty. But uh, but then uh, to be honest, I'd just given up any hope of getting another penalty. So I wasn't even that angry. I just didn't expect it. Yeah. Well, it's just like he's not going to get four. Definitely. No, no chance. Do, do you know? Do you know what's even better? Do you see the banner of? Um, the, the United fans unveiled for Clattenburg at Chelsea before. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, chickens coming home to roost. <laughs> what was it just in the panel? Oh, it was something like best a, uh, referee, leader, leader legend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was what, you remember he sent off Terry and, or yeah, was it, yeah, and Torres, yeah. was it? Against yeah. United. Oh, yeah, so yeah. And then they... Oh, uh, it was a they, spoof on the Terry banner. Yeah. And they were, um, they were, they were singing, chanting for him before, saying, we won Clattenburg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. some ref didn't give them a penalty. Hey, he's going to have him every week he's fucking cunt if ever there's, there's, there's the sign of a crumbling empire is when you get three penalties given at home against you in a place where you couldn't buy a penalty for ten years that's a very bloody good point actually yeah. Yeah. thank Spot God on. for Mark Clattenpool then um, and we'll, move, we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to uh, Stevie I want to talk about Stevie before we finish with our review uh, look Rodgers needs a lot of credit here for the way that he's, he's kind of managed him Stevie d- there during the week or was it, uh, maybe it was even today talking about how he's his best man manager and all the managers that he's had over the years and as we go to the business end of this season like last season Stevie's in pretty imperious form looks like the leader that he is um, we must be enthused Lee about having this guy performing at the peak of his abilities and the run in yeah the peak of his abilities I kind of feel bad actually commenting on this because about fucking four months ago I was about to st- I was literally saying oh yeah no 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 not not a big game player anymore no just play him at home against the shit teams <laughs> now I feel like a roy fucking muppet <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks Brendan Rodgers thanks for being such a fucking great coach and essentially converting a chap who that's, could that's never such defend a terrible him. thing <laughs> Rodgers <him. laughs> Lee get out <laughs> Uh, does, does anybody remember uh, about Stevie giving the challenge to Phil Jones and Phil Jones sat down there like a mop like a mutt <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. John, Jones looked like he walked in and his fucking man died riding or something he's just sitting there absolutely shell shocked <laughs> how eloquent <laughs> but yeah it, like going back to it, like and I, I, I sat here and I, I, I said at the start of the season I thought we would have been better without Steven Gerrard and the team because we would at the, at, time. At, the, at the time we would but Rodgers really does need to be commended for it. this is two seasons on the spin that his management to Gerrard has resulted in Gerrard second half of the season 
being at the level of form that we've had out of Stephen up to 08-09 when, when Rafa was in charge in terms of his influence and his, his, his overall in, input to the way Fucking we're playing the game like. and he's, he's turned him into a, a real leader now uh, one thing that Gerard has, 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 has rightfully been criticised about over the years is that he hasn't been like what you'd see as a vocal leader on the pitch he's, he's a man possessed this year and it's, this was before we were even talking about titles and all but not just our own players he's managing the referee too yeah he's just in his ear from minute one uh, after the Raphael tackle Clattenberg was nearly apologising to him the little slap on the arse and all the games <laughs> sorry for not sending him off Stephen oh, you got, like, you know, I think I, I think you know ever since around the derby where he, he, he was he like his position was switched back I think that kind of focused him a bit obviously there was the disaster against Villa but after that he, he kind of regrouped himself and I think after we smashed Everton he kind of you could smell the blood like he was he said oh Jesus actually we could fucking win the title here and I think I think it's kind of rejuvenated him a bit because he was really he was going through emotions the first half of the season like it wasn't by accident all that like a lot of Liverpool fans were saying that he should have been dropped or whatever mm. like that's what I, I wanted him to be dropped like to get a kick up the arse because mm. like obviously he showed at the, sec- the second half of last season that he does have a lot to offer when like when his head's there mm. but like I just said ever since the derby like he, he just like like you said he's been a man possessed like yeah, I think I'm the one argument and I think it's a valid argument and it, and it also coincides with, with Lucas's injury is that you put Joe Allen and Jordan Henderson or Coutinho alongside him and he's got runners all around him yeah. and, he, and he can he can he doesn't have to focus on getting up and down the pitch anymore he can just focus on learning how to be a defensive midfielder and going back to a point that we're talking about what, can you see John Flanagan being a rifle in a Champions League side right well can you see Steven Gerrard being a defensive midfielder in a Champions League side it, in a, the majority of games, yes, once he has those bodies alongside him, mm. we will need another player. I, I, and I firmly believe we need another specialist defensive midfielder because, you know, you won't get 50, 53 games out of him a season. But he, we will need him and he will be still the leader of this team next year. Uh, Jag, a player I'm, I'm uh, particularly fond of, in, in no direct relationship to his ability. Just I just like the kid and always like his attitude is, is Lucas. But it's not looking good for Lucas in terms of getting into that World Cup squad because you can't really see him getting his game, certainly getting his start between now and the end of the season, the way Stevie's playing, can you? Well, I don't think... Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I don't see Lucas coming back uh, immediately, though, with, with Stevie there like that. I'm, you're right. Yeah, and what Niall, would you would you agree or do you think it's just handy to have him there that he can do twenty minutes for Stevie every so often? Yeah, I agree. I can't see um Lucas starting any well, barring injury of course, I can't see Lucas getting back into the side. I think um so I just want to make one point on Jared. I think um you can see this season I think he trusts his teammates a lot more. Mm. Um we were saying earlier how um maybe in seasons gone by he like Jared would try and do everything. He thought like, you know, I be- I better do something here, we're not gonna win this game, whatever. I think now he realises he has quality players around him. I think um, he appreciates the role Alan and Henderson play in the midfield because it makes his job easier. And then, of course, um, he's always full of praise for uh, Suarez and Serge up front, and rightly so. so. I think that's also had an impact on Jared this year, the fact that he knows there is quality around him and he doesn't have to do it all on his own anymore. And now, do you think it's that, or do you think it's maybe that he's had a bit of a realisation about his own... No. You know the the age catching up on a little bit, and perhaps what he's we used to be capable of doing, he's not anymore, and that that's all feeding into to 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 his sort of as you say trust of his teammates. Yeah, it could also have something to do with that. Of course, experience has come into it as well. You know, he's been around the block now. You know, he probably knows he doesn't have the legs anymore. He has to time his runs or whatever. But I think um, Jared has been over the past few months. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. He's been. Um, 
He's probably been, that's why he's probably been the most impressive midfielder in the Premiership. I don't know, maybe someone could correct me with that now. But I think he's been as good as anybody these last few months. Yeah. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that, Noel. Your stats will work for us. <laughs> well, yeah. he did say, though, in his interview, though, he did say that he was uh, he was feeling young being around young guys, but he was also saying that the young guys were doing all his running as well. So yeah, he, did, he did admit it. So there's, yeah, there's an acknowledgement of that, yeah. Yeah. So if you remember after the Villa match, like you remember where he, he was completely overrun. Like it was a real shock to him. He said after the match that he like he he, he wouldn't mind, like he wouldn't have any complaints if he was dropped. And ever since then, he's been really kind of focused in that defensive midfield position. Mm. Like yesterday, um, I think Flanagan was the most exposed of our fullbacks, and Yanazai went went past him twice, and twice it was Gerard tracking back inside Flanagan and uh, took took Yanazai. Yeah, out. that's massive. Yeah. Yeah, so like he he really has grown in. Speak, speaking of frankness, he, he did admit afterwards that he was possibly a bit cocky on the third penalty. Would you, Paul, have any criticism of the man? On that? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, what's got it? Me mate had a few words. Me mate really wanted him to score a hat trick at Old Trafford, and he had a few words for Jared for missing that. But just sort of heat of the moment stuff. But <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it's gonna, like, like he said, he was. I didn't say any cockiness in it. Really, he just went for the corner again. Yeah. Like his first two penalties were brilliant and right inside the post. So why not? Okay. Theory though, theory about that now. Imagine now, imagine actually scoring a hat trick at Old Trafford. Imagine what that does to David Moyes. He's taking, if I score this, he might get sacked. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, good point, good point. See where you're going this league. Maybe, are we going back to the one he missed against Blackburn? (laughs) The reverse, the reverse Hodgson (laughs) Score, keep Hodgson. Charlie, where do I put this penalty again? Charlie, how do you do it? How do you? How would you take a penalty, Charlie? <laughs> right. What wrong? Okay. Let's move it on to our Cardiff preview then. Uh, like all games uh, over the next nine, three points is going to be a must here if we are going to have a chance at this title that we're all sort of dreaming about. Cardiff have been a little bit on the up of late. They're going to be as hungry to win as we are for different reasons. And we can't afford to slip up. So how do we approach it in shame in terms of the shape and the tactics? Um, are diamonds forever or are diamonds going to get abandoned and do we go back to a different sort of a f- uh, midfield look? Um, Jag, what are your thoughts on how we might look against Cardiff in terms of shape and tactics? I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty daft when it comes, when it comes to tactics, so I'm going to let the other guys talk about this. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking magic, I like that. Um, Niall, I'm going to come straight to you, fellow. What do you think? Do, 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 do you reckon the diamond stays or do you, do you think we're going to go to a different setup? I reckon we'll go the same way again. I think it's worked for Southampton United. Um, I saw Cardiff play against Everton there last week, and they were actually decent enough. They were unlucky maybe not to come away with a point. But um, I think the way we're playing now, I, I expect us to beat everybody. It's come back to that feeling we had back in uh, 08-09 towards the end of the season where you just, you're just full of confidence going into every game. Uh, I can't see any reason to change it. I expect uh, maybe we might go back to a flat 4-3-3. Maybe uh, Sterling might come out to the left again and either one of Suarez or um, Serge pushed out to the right. But I think it'll be the same personnel, the same 11 that started the game against United. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Paul, what do you think? I mean, uh, 
you know, is, is it going to stay the same? I'm, it, Stevie during the week was talking about how Brendan has been tinkering. He used the word, but used it in a very positive context, talking about how successful it's been. He was, he was, he was uh, in awe of it. Um, do you see more tinkering or do you see uh, consistency? Well, I hope so. I hope we go back to 4 3 3. I think it's our best formation. And I think, like, I know. Like the the diamond has worked. It's two three nil victories away from home on the bounce. So in that sense, it's hard to kind of argue with it. But I think you get more out of uh, Sturridge and Suarez when you know. I think it's more geared to creating for them a four three three is rather than I think we force it into them in that diamond and kind of expect them to like a lot. A lot of our attacking was you know them running at the United defense and having to kind of try and beat them themselves whereas you know if you, if you have the three midfielders behind them and Sterling out on one side and then one of them out on another side like I think I think it gives us a better kind of variety of attack so I, I'd go with the 4-3-3 and um, yeah we should we should be smashing Cardiff yeah Phil will you be in agreement Pauler um, I don't give a shit anymore to be honest with you really. once, <laughs> once, once we win I fucking we've gone through tactics all season long we can play any shape and, and we're capable of winning the game for me, it, again, it comes down to midfield, and like we've talked about, Steve, we didn't talk about Jordan Henderson or Joe Allen in, in, in the review, and it's worth mentioning that the two guys are going to have another huge role again to play in an away match, and I, I wouldn't change those two in there for, for this game because the, the way they keep us pressed high up the pitch, being able to pin teams back and win ball, win, win ball in their half that, that allows the likes of Suarez and Sterling to create openings and, and storage to get shots and, and chances away. That for me will be fundamental in another away game because Cardiff, look, Cardiff haven't been great, um, but they've got good players there, and you know it, it's it's going to be a noisy stadium as, as 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 Cardiff always is, and they'll be well up to try get points out of this because they they can see that there's an escape possible um, because anyone in that bottom seven could could go down at this point in time. Mm. And I just think that we need to we need the same sort of midfield mentality that that we had against um, United on on Sunday. And if if if, if Henderson plays to that level again, and Joe Allen plays to that level, or even ninety percent of that level, we'll have too much for them in midfield, and that will give us the platform that we need to win. Whether we play the diamond or whether we play as as as, as a tree up front, I don't think it really matters that much to me in terms of how we we set up against Cardiff because I think if our midfield tree whichever way it's going to be because the diamond is a, is, is a former tree anyway you know what I mean they, then we will have enough to get at them yeah it's interesting you talk about how we pa- uh, sort of brushed over um, uh, Henderson and Alan um, in the in the review because we do expect don't we from Jordan Henderson this constant level of performance and it's we only kind of remark on the kid when he doesn't bring it uh, to the table uh, with Alan in that in the diamond thing just to speak about the, the specifics of that for a second I have to say, I, I, I much prefer him in a, in a more conventional tree than, than that. I don't like him when he's pushed on to the left. I, I think he finds it hard to settle into the game. There was evidence of that the last day, and then he grew into the game as it went well, on. All I'll say about Alan is, Swansea boy against Cardiff on, uh, at the weekend, he is going to be like a man fucking possessed on that pitch. You can put him in any position, he'll probably play every single position on the pitch. Yeah. Like, genuinely, like <clears> that, that's why I wouldn't, I'm not, I'd definitely play him in this game. Um, for, the, for every reason that Flanagan wanted to bash the head off United on, on Sunday. Joe Allen will have a bit, the bit between his teeth to get out and destroy Cardiff on uh, this weekend. So yeah, that's what I, I, I agree with Trev as well. That I think Allen's better in a normal midfield than in the diamond. Like the diamond, like they they kind of you know that I think it was okay against someone like United where you're going to need to work a lot. But I think the diamond kind of reduces Allen and Henderson's role a lot to just kind of running 
Whereas mm. I think in a more conventional midfield, I think Alan is able to influence the game more. I, I, the I, been, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying. I, look, I, I don't. I think whatever formation we line up against Cardiff, we're more than capable of winning. This I always smash them. Don't worry. What I was going to say though about the diamond is that uh, I never even what's it, what wanted to get onto the diamond though. The thing that we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, lads. In the corner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, fucking. Like, what I wanted to talk about, like honestly, now as far as tactics go, I'm a bit of a remedial. But what I've been looking at, at recently now is just uh, when I'm looking at the diamond against Southampton. The reason I think Rodgers went with the diamond and pushed the midfielders out wide was to probably nullify the effect of the charging fullbacks, which is what, which is the way Southampton moved their entire formation forward. That was the way to combat it, and it's to try and, try and cut the supply lines to the likes of Lallana and Rodriguez. And from what I could see against United as well, a lot of a lot of what to do with the diamond was it wasn't even so much about setting up to beat the other team; it was more like more like nullifying them. I think what he did, he used the energy of Allen and Henderson to push up, to push back a lot of the times, as, as Paul said, do an awful lot of running. But the main part was the fact that when they were doing their running, it was out wide to nullify the wingers and the fullbacks that were charging forward for United. I think Rodgers anticipated in many ways that Wise was going to try to uh, put the defence under pressure by pinging crosses in. And that's what he managed to do. He managed to actually, strangely enough, generally a lot of teams would pile up the midfield to try and you know nullify other teams. Rodgers seemed to actually pack the wings out. That's that's what I think his whole plan was. It those little those uh, those little kind of like I read a piece on EPL Index earlier about it, and it actually made an awful lot of sense. They had you know a couple of circles in front of the fullbacks, in front of where Flanagan and Johnson would have been when the when the wingers got forward. Allen and Henderson were always out there to decide to try and take the ball, like to to crowd out the winger or the fullback two to one and try and win the ball back and break. Mm. That was what I think it was about. Now, coming to Cardiff as regards formation, I don't think we'll need to worry about that so much. I don't think that Cardiff have the players in the wide areas that have the ability to do that kind of damage. So, going back, just co-signing to what Paul said, I'd probably switch to a 4-3-3 as well. And although, Phil, I actually was going to take Coutinho out of my first 11 for that, and, oh, sorry, take Allen out of the first 11 and put Coutinho in, I thought that he'd be able to thread a few more balls through to the front three. Mm. I thought that I thought that we have like even in an away game we would have a bit more freedom in the pitch than we would have had actually at all traffic to you know. No, I thought just with Coutinho and away games from out of form that we've seen this season, mm. I think he was more a better player coming on as a sub on Sunday than he has been in starting those games because I think I think Coutinho struggled a bit in away games this year and I think we've, we've mentioned it a few times as well. And I think again, you could see the impact if you send him on with twenty minutes to go, and the teams are fading. Yeah. That he gets more space to play in the ball. Yeah, uh, just a little uh, acknowledgement there. If that was the remedial tactical class there, uh, Lee, fair play to you. I don't think I even qualify for the school, so fair play to you. That's, that's good work. Um, Niall, will you speak to us a little bit about what we can, uh, what we need to be wary of with regards to Cardiff? Uh, they seem to be strong on set pieces, for example, um, where we aren't always so good at defending. Um, what aspects of the Cardiff <coughs> team would you be wary of? Yeah, I think the set pieces is a good point. I think that's uh, probably going to be Cardiff's main threat um, during the weekend. I think um, a player, Fraser Campbell, he's um, obviously not the most prolific striker, but he has a great leap in the air. I think that's something we'll have to look out for. Because um, set pieces, um, we've been found wanting sometimes this season. Um, I think also um, Rogers may take into consideration the fact that uh, we have a lot of games coming up now, thanks to this um, game in hand against Sunderland. I think uh, we have three three games in eight, seven days, eight days, is it? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. perhaps um, that's uh, one of the reasons as well why uh, I personally wouldn't start Coutinho. 
because I think uh, Coutinho, as you said before, uh, he makes um, a bigger impact in the home game. So I think um, Rodgers will be looking at those two home games against Sunderland and uh, Spurs, as maybe then Coutinho will come back into the side for that. But um, yeah, Cardiff, uh, to be honest, um, as the lads were saying, I think we should have too much for them. Um, obviously, they're dangerous from set pieces, but I think um, it's at the stage of the season now where we know what we can do. So it's just all about going into every game having the heads right and making sure we go out there and do a job. If we turn up, then we should have too much for them. Yeah. Um, I've, sorry, um, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, like, uh, my one grave worry about this match is that while we're smashing Cardiff off the park, okay, they have a player called Craig Noon who roofed Stephen Gerrard's house, and we're really, going to heard that we're gonna have to listen to the commentator fucking banging about this all match. <laughs> yeah. And it's 5-0 Liverpool here where Craig Noon, who once actually roofed Stephen Gerrard's house, <laughs> yeah. like, they cannot resist it. Like, and they mention it, I mean, every ten times time. every game. Oh, that is my oh, fucking man. grave worry for this match. What the fuck does that mean? Put the roof it used to be a roofer. Wouldn't it be great if he played for oh, Wigan? Holy fuck. Wouldn't it be great if he played for what Wigan? What do you think I'm anti-day rape? I'm going to get story about when he broke his leg oh, in the FA Cup. Jack, can I bring you in here, Chief? What are you thinking in terms of uh, Cardiff and anything we need to be worried about? And if you're not particularly worried, you could segue like Niall did in there into what you think the uh, lineup will be. I'm sorry, you're talking about a lineup right now? Y- yes, yes, sorry mate. First of all, Cardiff, what, what what are your what are your what are your worries or anxieties about Cardiff? If you have I, I think the I think the set pieces are gonna be a worry as well. Um and I think it could be a case for Sacco to come in for set pieces. Um although Skirtle has been excellent in the past few games, there's always been there's always an accident waiting to happen as well in Skirtle when it comes to set pieces. Um so it might be a case of bringing Sacco in. That's the only thing I can think of right now. Sure, sure. Okay, right. Um, let's get around the table and let's get some predictions for how we think it's going to go. Um, there's been some pretty upbeat talk here, so I'm, I'm expecting some uh, some big scorelines. Uh, Jag, we've got you in the line, so we'll keep you there. Uh, what are you thinking in terms of uh, score, prediction for score? Um, 3-0, Liverpool. 3-0, Liverpool. That's, that's beautiful. Um, Niall, where are you going with it? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0. Okay, Paul? I got 3-1. 3-1, okay. Lee? I'm going 4-0. 4-0, Liverpool. 4-0, yeah, what was it? I think that I think we're on a good run of form now. We're five-game five winning streak, unbeaten in 2014. I really, really would like to put Cardiff into the fucking ground, actually, because, <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not? We're there. Like, have a bit of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's I, I can get behind that. Um, Phil, where are you going with this? I got my traditional win for Cardiff 4 0. Oh, thank God for that. Right, okay. That's us then. Let's move on to our listeners' questions, uh, where basically most of the answers that are offered by our friends here are going to be edited out by Phil Scissors' hands at a later day. Um, but and I, we should say this, and this needs to go into this pod so that everyone can hear this. You people are brilliant and you send us in these fantastic mentalist questions and you don't hear them. And the only reason you don't hear them is because the guys here cannot be trusted to speak at length of any topic without going into fucking libelous territory. So that's the only reason. <laughs> that's, and I, I, that's, that's just general pod uh, acknowledgement there. i got to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't, because that's too good of a gag, and you can't resist it. Okay, uh, first up is from Support Bel- Sport and Believe, and he wonders, this is a bizarre one, why are shoe sizes not universal across different brands? <laughs> Fucking hell. Why? Yeah, go on. No idea. You've got no idea. Well, they, they write down the same numbers, don't they? Yeah. Maybe their robots have different feet. It pisses me off with football boots. 
you ever see it like you I don't really notice it that much with runners, but you know football boots so you 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 can buy a size nine pair of Nikes or something and they fit grand, then you buy size nine predators and they don't. Yeah. Nearly, like they, they just about fit you. Like, why do they like do that? I don't understand. Arseholes. That's why they do because they're fucking arseholes. <laughs> That's the concise answer. There's because German the feet are different to American feet. Why are German <laughs> feet different? That makes no sense. I, fe- I feel an edit coming. <laughs> <laughs> What's the distinctive feature of a German foot, though? Yes, exactly. It, it's Phil. thinner. Jesus Christ! Uh, I think about the Temple Bar charging eight euro a fucking pint. Like, fucking oh, bastards! Yeah, wh- what are we thinking about those pictures of Temple Bar with all the green hatted twonks? Why would you Hell, bother? Oh, Gulag. God, oh definitely mighty. green hat. You're getting catapulted into a fucking bear pit. That's what <laughs> fucking yeah, arsehole. Yeah, full on, full on bear pit. <laughs> oh, so, no, no patching the step aside parade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next one is from Sashank, and Sashank's wondering if Liverpool's first team corresponded to Hollywood actors, uh, who would be who? So basically, who do you have? What Liverpool player reminds you or represents a Hollywood actor in your head? Anyone got any shouts here? There's something bad coming here, I can feel it. Go on, Phil. Go on. I'm going to go with uh, Eddie Murphy for Sturridge. I'd go uh, DiCaprio for Gerard. Because, you know, he's brilliant and all, but then, you know, there's that one thing he has in one that all the fucking dickheads That's won't shut up about. Like, I've got that right down there, DiCaprio. Oh, I, was, I, got, I got it in, though, yes, didn't I? Yeah, why did didn't Jared win an Oscar? Why didn't he win an Oscar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going with Woody Harrelson for Minulite. Oh, explain, <laughs> explain your logic. His nose is fucked up. What the fuck? I was expecting something way deeper than that. Fucked up nose. Okay, right. Niall, you don't have a shout, do you? Um, I'm going with Jordan Henderson and Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah, I think if she had the hair, yeah, definitely. You think Tilda with a Jordan haircut? <laughs> okay, totally, totally weird one from Nick here. He's got an unusual choice for me. I really have no idea what Nick is thinking here, but he wants to know: Would you rather always have your shoelaces undone, like all the time? <laughs> Or every time you put your hands in your pockets, it would be full of carrots. <laughs> now, that is just brilliantly mental. And for me, it's obviously going to be shoelaces. I'd rather fall over seven or eight times a day than have carrots in my pocket because I'm an OCD kind of a twonk. Paul, no? No, yeah, I can't be done with the carrots, no. Yeah, yeah, I'd have the shoelaces. I'd shoe risk laces. injury. I would definitely. I'd risk injury as well. <laughs> okay, next one is from Paul. And Paul is wondering, uh, this is this is a continuing theme, if all animals and insects were the same size, which one would win a tournament-style to-the-death contest? So basically, if they're all evened out in size, which creature is going to win? Anyone got a shout here? I'm going with um, one of those, uh, you know, those joint... Elephant dung beetles. Right, okay. Why is that? Because, because they're not joined anymore, mate. That's the point. I, well, they are because they're all the same size. So we, are we blowing them up or reducing everyone? No, down everything's the same well, size. Well, if you reduce everything down to the, to the size of an elephant beetle, that elephant beetle's going to beat the head off you. It's, 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 near, it's near impregnable. It's either that or a cockroach. Yeah. Those things can survive nuclear holocausts. You're not taking one of them down. The only thing that has a chance against it is a monkey with a knife. But, but it can't fight for a shit. It can defend itself. It has a big, huge snippers on the top of the thing. It goes down, and it can fly. It's like a, it's like it a can fly. It can, it fly. can fly. It's like a it crawling shears. It's like a, a, a giant crawling shears. When you used to watch Robot Wars, right, they used to try make just one of these things all the time that go around ca- killing everything. So now, yeah, an elephant beetle killing elephant everything beetle. in ja- the room. Jag, can you, can you imp- improve on elephant beetle, mate? 
<laughs> no, man. I'm just I'm, no. I'm no. You know if you know if the dung beetle got blown up, would he keep his big ball of shite that he can roll on people? Because that would be a shout. Man. Who the fuck's gonna fight that? Every, every, all the other animals would forfeit. Yeah, <laughs> one shot weapon. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right. Next one is what's the best invention ever, Jag? What's your favorite? Invention. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a serious spin on this. Um, I think the best invention so far is Twitter. Oh yeah. Without it, because without it, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys at three four a.m. <laughs> about football. It, but, but there's an obvious downside to that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. That's brought a tear to me. I know, Jack. Paul, go shout for the best invention ever. Salt and chili chicken wings. Oh, that's a that's. Pretty high up there, Lee. The best invention hour now. Now to make me sound extremely boring. Yes. But I am extremely boring. So my favourite invention, and I think this is the greatest thing since slice. Actually, no, this is slice bread. This is exactly what it is. The Dyson Airblade hand dryer. Something oh that dro- something that dries your hands so quickly. Like it, it's like you know, it's like a reverse microwave for your hands. Like it's fucking amazing. <laughs> is that the th- is that the thing in the pub, Jacks? Like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing on the wall. That, like you yeah, where you put down, your hand down in it. Like, the thing like a fucking oh, jet engine. Bleeding they don't mess about them. They they proper. <laughs> if I could afford one of them things, if I could afford one of them things, they would be in my bathroom. If I was a professional footballer, I would be endorsing the bollocks out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Poison Herbalite is good. Uh, right, we're all sizing each other up here because the question from Grey is if you had a fight, this is all of us here, uh, who'd be champion? Trev. Because oh. he, he has that Mongo culture strength <laughs> that, that all the cultures have. That is probably true. Yeah, they're, they're all born with this kind of knuckle dragon yeah, strength. Go on, go on. Yeah. Even if Trev was losing at one stage, like he, he'd reach into like a, like a backpack in the corner and he would pull out a potato. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And he fucking powered up, he wouldn't turn green. Coachy power. <laughs> oh, Christ alive. Okay. Next one is a kind of. This is going to go to a, to a feature we might bring in eventually. Uh, Lucy is asking us a question about how her family hates football and she wonders what she should do. Now, I don't know about you guys. Kill them. My family hate football. It hasn't really, <laughs> hasn't really impacted my life at all. And I haven't had to murder anyone, Lee. So, mm. <laughs> what, 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 what do we think? Are you, uh, anyone, anyone else got football hating families? Yeah, kill, cook, sell. No. <laughs> you just, uh, you, you, like, you can't get them, I, I've tried everything to get them involved in football, right? Uh, bringing them to matches, trying to get them involved in the game, the, the excitement and the how they just don't get it, right? So, if they don't yeah. get it, I watch fucking rugby. Well, we put that. We enjoy that as well. But again, I'm the only one that watches that in the house. So, do you know what? The best thing to do then is is make them sit through documentaries on the television. Why? Why is that? Even documentaries that you find boring. It's it's a way of like you know you you there's some stupid soap opera or something on the television. So what you do then is you go you know get the remote control hand. So you find something to watch on television. Find the most boring documentary on it. Right? Something uh, like I don't know. Fucking watching fucking the, the time stamp of an ant or something like that, right? Oh. And for an hour, <laughs> and just put it on and refuse to turn it off and say, "No, no, this is educated." Like really, really commit to being a bollocks. Like. Oh, commit to it! Like if you're not going to watch football and enjoy football, then I'm going to make your life a hell when football's not on the television. That's that's interesting. Tati. That's admirable. I'd say. Uh, Jag, have you got a football loving or hating family? 
Um, I've got three girls and a wife who couldn't give a fuck about football, so I, I'm, I'm with Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Maybe we set up a, just a, a club that we can all go to and just, yeah, all just enjoy football together. We all seem to be uh, in the same boat here. Next one's from Ray, and Ray says, this is a bit, a bit a upbeat and morbid at the same time, what song would you pick for your own funeral? But Ray has a stipulation, it must be a TV theme tune, which kind of does put a little bit of a... A little bit of a spanner in the works. Anyone giving this any thought? I'd say, you know, as the pallbearers put me kind of coughing down at the top of the church, and you know, they're, they turn to walk off. If they had the bill music and there may be a camera, <laughs> someone with a camcorder filming the back of their feet, like. <laughs> and a photo of Reg on your coffin, isn't that right? You? Oh, yeah, yeah. I fancy myself as Reg, I do, yeah. I like Excellent. Okay, right. Next one's from Paddy. Uh, and Paddy should know better than to be asking me to answer this question, so I'm not going to. And he says, if you and your partner uh, or wife switch bodies for a day, would you have sex to see how it feels? Does it have to be with your partner, though? That is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the clincher, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I, t- I tell her to get stuffed and play with me tits all day. <laughs> I just like wear bras and stuff. Just, business <laughs> I just wear bras. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, it would be deadly. Like I, I'd love to try get you know see what it's like to actually put mascara on and stuff like that. I know how to do it. Phil, that's that's more of a confession than anything else. No, but I, I'd have to be a woman to do. It. I wouldn't do it as a man. <laughs> but you've always wanted to like. <laughs> well, so it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Like I look in the mirror, and I still just look like me with makeup on. When hang on, hang on. This this implies that you've seen it. I have you. Yeah. Excellent. When did this happen? Um, in college. Wednesday. <laughs> 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 Sunday just before the match <laughs> I dressed up as Mrs. Moyes <laughs> Best of luck love Best of luck oh, Lord. Oh, You were a beast earlier <laughs> Right let's move on This is from Lost Dub And he asks Who's the first Man United player that you'd make Walk down Grafton Street wearing only a tutu And a strap on dildo <laughs> It's Raphael is the answer to that. That's I'm not probably my I, answer as well. I'm not taking any other answers. What a horrible little twat that guy is. <laughs> I hate him. Okay, last question then is from Joe Pepper. Joe has another face-off sort of aggressive Well, it's a, it's a good one because we could, we could make it happen. Uh, it, it, could, <laughs> it, 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 it could happen. Joe asks, who would win a bare-knuckle fight between the four major, as he calls them, LFC pod hosts? That's me, Neil Atkinson, Harry Hugo and John Ritchie. Who's winning that scrap in a bare knuckle fight? Well, I'm just going <laughs> to, judging by the potato power of Paul's not yeah, in yeah, my oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Cult, culty strength wins out. I think you'd be in with a fair show. Atkinson's a big boy, though. You'd yeah, ha- yeah you'd, you'd you'd need some tactics there. You'll be you'd, you'd be drawn on all your culty strength to take him down. I fight like James Bond, though. <laughs> It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, it's a mix. Be like Samoa Joe against fucking <laughs> Coco fuck? Beware, the board man. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what any of that meant. <laughs> okay, lastly then, some admin. The HJC Cup Ireland is this Saturday in the Astro Park. Dublin's premier five-a-side venue. Now, the most important thing on the night would be the auction for the HJC, so make sure to bring your wallets. 
On the line, we have former guest and Irish cop fun bus driver, Jerry Kane, to fill us in more about what's going on. So, Jerry, what can you tell us about the day? Yeah, so the day we'll be starting off, lads, with the Astro Park Airway at AFL. Um, 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we've the 5 o'clock tournament going on. Uh, we're looking so far, I think we've about 100 people participating in it. So we're actually getting a real good turn out there. Um, we've actually a team of, as well, some of the Liverpool ladies team as well, they're coming over to participate in it as well. So, Fantastic. Um, that, that's going to kick off at 11 o'clock. That'll run till 2. And then we're going to shift everyone up then to the Cuckoo's Nest pub where they're going to have the match on for a second. We're going to have the Cardiff match on. They're going to throw it out with a finger field and stuff like that. And as soon as that's over then, we're going to get cracking with the raffle and the auction then. So there's some real good prizes in there. We've signed, signed stuff there from Robbie Fowler, from Jamie Carragher and all some real good stuff. Jerseys, shorts, football, DVDs, and just hotel stays and food and drink campers and things like that. Real good prizes in it. Fantastic. Sounds about um, as it's bit, good. Bit, yeah. bit, bit of music then on after that in the Cookfield Nest. Lovely. Lovely. Drinking session then after that. Good man, Jerry, come here. Is 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 um if if you're not at the the game, can you still come along to the the match and the auction and stuff like that? Oh, every, everyone, anyone is more than welcome. Just because you can't play in the football, don't mean think you can't come along. The more we can have there, the better. We're gonna have Sheila Coleman from the Hills for Justice campaign coming over there as well. So she'll be saying a few words and she'll be helping us out with the with the presentations and things like that after. So like the more we have there, the better. You know, there'll be raffle tickets on sale at the pub. Brilliant. The food will be gone, the drink will be gone. It'll be a good day. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, well, as you say, it's all about raising a bit of money on the night for as good a cause as you can possibly get. So let's hope um, people get into the spirit of it. Jared, thanks a million for coming on and filling us in, mate. No, what a lot. Take care. Cheers, Jared. Thanks. Big thanks as always go to Johnny Rep for our intro music. You should check out their uh, single, Give and Follow them on Twitter. Now, as per our announcement earlier, you can follow all our news and commentary over on Liverpool Ways which will soon get its LFC Day Trippers makeover, so get following that. Likewise, make sure you're following Molly's at Beyond the Cop, as this will be the official Twitter feed of the LFC Day Trippers within the next fortnight. So all our questions, all our articles, everything will be coming via that feed. You can subscribe to All Things Trippery either on Podbean, iTunes, or any podcatcher such as Beyond Pod on Android. And finally, your trippers tonight were Lima Hattie, Paul Brennan, Niall Sheridan, Jagdesh Singh, Phil Casey, and myself, Trev Downey. And now we will go to Adnan. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is Coco Joe? It's not Coco. Fuck. Okay, right. That's it. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.